I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Others lock up your sons. The fangirls are busting out all over. It's Fangirl Radio. Fangirl Radio. the fangirls on jackalope radio hey everybody and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the fangirl radio show i'm your host miss jessica dwyer and with me this week is the lovely and talented miss sarah buck hi she's so petite and oh. cute and sweet <laughs> and it's all Aww. an act <laughs> it is an act it's an act i'm horrifying in person <laughs> i can attest i've seen her make people cry and yep. I, I applaud this behavior. Um, <laughs> speaking of making people cry, Comic-Con happened this week, or actually this previous weekend. There were tears. I saw them happen. Um, there was a lot of crying around uh, the effects of the amazing Orphan Black and how that show has changed lives, which you can see online um, during some of the panels. There were some really beautiful things that happened at Comic-Con. Um, and some of that included the Avengers Ultron footage that I got to see. I, I cried because it wasn't at Comic-Con. Yes, you did. Four straight days of crying. Yeah. I am emotionally exhausted at this point. Well, I, I will say this. I will say this. After this was the first Comic Con that I was happy it was over. And that gives you an idea of how Comic Con went this year. And as the stories are being released this week of what happened at Comic Con, you can see what I'm talking about. Um it is. It is a it is a sad week for geek. It, that's for it, certain. It, it it really is. And um I don't know there's like three or four major bad things that came out of Comic-Con um this year. Uh and um my friend Steve Niles was on Facebook just today as we recorded this. Um I think he may have removed the post because it was starting a lot of negativity on his on his page and he just is not the kind of guy that likes that. Um, his reasons for posting about it was very good and very true. Um, but the, um, the separation and, and splintering that have been happening around all of this stuff is indicative of why Comic-Con felt off this year, I think. Um, so there are a lot of good things and we will cover those, but because we are, doing a weekend geek and we are fangirl radio and we're not going to shy away from the bad stuff as we've never done it in the past. We're going to talk about the bad stuff. Um, this week at Comic-Con was, um, it felt this week, I keep saying this week, this, the, the weekend of Comic-Con, it felt a lot different 
um, being there this year. I, it was really odd, and it made me very irritable while I was there. Um, mainly, it, there was, it was very humid and very hot, which never is a good thing um, when you're packed together like sardines and you have 200,000 people in one area. Yeah, and I, I remember I remember a couple of years ago when, you know, Comic-Con just started getting crazy, and by all accounts, this year was the craziest yet, like, oh, insane. It, it, it really was, and, um, par- and starting on preview night, just immediately, uh, you could tell there was just something off, and a lot of it had to do with just th- felt understaffed, like there were not enough security or people that knew what to do there. What the, the um, preview night was crazy packed. And so my preview night pretty much ended up being three hours in line at the Funko booth. Which I, which I still thank you vehemently for. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> the, the Sarah got one of the few things that I managed to get from the Funko booth because people were taking eight of everything. Which is ridiculous. And um, no doubt seven, if not eight of those things ended up on eBay for 400 times the amount that they cost at Comic-Con within an hour, I'm guessing. So um, what happened there was we all got in a line very well organized. They had like a, a little rope line and we all got in line to get into the booth when it opened. Like we were there and they hadn't started selling yet. So it turned out that no one had told any of the exhibitors that no exhibitors could buy anything on preview night. Which is kind of, I feel like that's a little bit silly. It is. a little. I mean. When are they going to get a chance? Yeah, as somebody who's been an exhibitor before, that's literally kind of like, I felt like when I would be an exhibitor, that was like the night for us. As opposed to the night for other people, because like you really don't get the chance after that as an exhibitor to like walk around and look at things and make the purchases that you wanted to make. Like it really is, guys. You guys wear us out. Well, and and the exhibitors, you're just like, give me alcohol or I will fall over now at the end of the day. So (laughs) it's like, yeah, and it's that same way with press because we aren't in the building we're over at the Hilton or across the street at the Omni or across at the um, Hyatt because we don't get to leave those areas they've moved everything out of the convention center into the hotels across from it Mm -hmm. so you know or we're trying desperately to get into Hall H so we can see footage to report about we don't get time to do anything except for on preview night and I wanted to really see the pilots that they were showing that night but I didn't get to because the only chance I was going to get to get one single thing that I really wanted which was the Hannibal variant and I really wanted the Herschel but that got F in the A um, Which is just like, I can't even, I still can't believe that. That's well, so crazy. It's because they kept saying they were going to restock and they didn't. They restocked every night. They said they were going to stop selling at a certain point and then have new ones the next day. That was a lie. So um, we were in this line. They pulled us out of the line because there were exhibitors in the line. And instead of taking the exhibitors out, they made everybody leave the line and told us, you need to come back later. So when they did the announcement, everybody ran like freaking lemmings. And we, the people that, like me, who was only like 15 back, were now suddenly 35 people back in line. And it was just horrible. 
and it, we ended up watching as these people that got ahead of us um, took, you know, I wanted one of, you know, I wanted three things. I watched as people just took entire shelves away and bought them. They didn't put a limit on anything. Which is just ridiculous because honestly, like, I really at a certain point, like, you're making these things for people who love them as opposed to people who are just going to turn around and sell them on eBay. Right. And, like, I don't care. Like, there's just not – somebody doesn't need to buy eight um, Herschel, Herschel Funko dolls. Uh, like, I don't care how many of your friends at home want one. Um, you know, if they can't get to Comic-Con and you're wanting to buy past the limit of toys, that is too bad for you. They can find somebody else. Like, because yeah. that just, like, then the people who are actually there and actually, like, plan this into their trip don't get it. Well, and then that was just part of it. That was this one menial part of it that was a pain in the butt. There was also just kind of in hand with that, the amount of people. I swear to God, I had read that they had limited the number of tickets. I did not see any evidence of that at all. That place was more crowded than I have ever seen it. It literally took me 45 minutes to go one block. It was uh, amusing to me because um, my friends, my um, girlfriends who went to Comic-Con were all posting pictures afterwards of just a gr- the, like how bruised up they were. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I have, Everybody I have was <laughs> covered in bruises from getting kicked in the shins, from getting elbowed. Um, you know, and like I've, you know, been to Comic-Con and I never sustained injury from trying to walk the floor of the gas lamp. Crazy, yeah, and 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 trying to get over to Petco Park, their lines over there were crazy too. I mean, the whole the whole thing was just packed full of people, and um, it just it just wore you out. I mean, you you were so grouchy and pissed off by the end of the day, you you were just hard, you know, and you you were just done. And plus the 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 prices of food in that area have gotten out of hand. They, they really, and, and parking as well. So this kind of leads into the next piece of, of Comic-Con, which is, surprise, not a lot of people spend a lot of money there. The, no. the main thing people are going for are the exclusives. You spend so much to get in, and you have so much money to f- eat on while you're there and to park. Well, and live. hotels are crazy as well. Yeah, they jack them um, up like three times the amount. Oh, at least. At least. Yeah. yeah. So um, what happened this time around was one of the um, mainstays of the con, which is Mile High Comics, released a statement um, their owner did that next year he is not going to be there. And it's going to be the first year in like 42 years that they have not been at Comic-Con. And for those of you who haven't been to Comic-Con, they are the, like, comic book store who goes to Comic-Con. They're, their booth is always, gig- they take up, like, a, a much bigger chunk of the floor than um, anybody else does. And, you know, and he's, like, the guy who, you know, sells comics. It's, it's crazy just to think that they didn't make any money just baffles me. Just baffles me. They made a massive loss. They lost $10,000 over the weekend. 
Um, and that's ma major. If you're a comic book, if you, you know, anybody familiar with the comic book retailers industry, this, these stores barely make above their margin. And for them to take a loss of five figures like that is major. And um, he blames it, and he actually was talking to one of his publishers. He didn't say which publisher, but one of the publishers came over and was going on about how much money they were raking in there because of their exclusives. And he told him, basically, good for you. You're the reason I'm not making any money because you're holding on to your exclusives as a publisher instead of sharing them with your retailers who resell your product. And I've lost my, my ass, basically, at this show. And it's, it's, that's, that's the industry now. That's what Comic-Con has become is, is a, a uh, storehouse of exclusives. And the yeah. little guys are getting progressively shoved out. And for those of you um, who don't understand, I believe Mile High Comics is an East Coast, I want to say. I they store, may be. maybe New York. They may be. Um, and they ship everything over to Comic-Con. Comic-Con does not provide them with any of their setup. They ship it all over. So by the end of the con, whatever they have left and they haven't sold, they then have to pay to have it shipped back to their store. Right. And so, they and they have a. I can't. I can't emphasize how big their display is. It's gigantic. It's gi you can see it from like that entire. So that's kind of in the center where like DC and all, all that stuff is. So um, you can see it from that entire area. That's how big it is. It's like the DC and, and Mile High are like the two two things you can see from anywhere in that area on the floor. I think that's like C or D gates or something like that. Yeah, they they but, um they're over at the far end, and it's basically a, they've taken an, a a good sized comic book store. And popped it into the middle of of a comic-con wall <laughs> yeah so it's you know that's a horrible thing to hear about happening and they and i actually have bought stuff from them almost every year i've gone because they have like this massive back issues section that's just great and then oh, they, yeah. and then they had a, a trade section which was really great too so and uh, good deals too good if you're there like yeah what you what you go for yeah so for on top of that, we had the zombie walk issue that has just taken over the, um, the internet. Now, what happened was a family of deaf, a deaf family. No, um, you just can't win with that. Like, that's one thing. You can't, like, you, yeah, I, a deaf I family was, like, was driving. Oh. <laughs> and and um, during the zombie walk. Now, somehow, it's, it's interesting. Uh, there was an intersection uh, where, you know, the zombie walk is massive at Comic-Con. It has, it is, as, as Comic-Con has made sure to let everyone know, not a part of Comic-Con because they're distancing themselves as much as possible um, from this because, you know, they need the mo more bad press this year. Um, yeah. They, um, what happened was a car with a deaf family in it with kids got in this intersection. I don't know why anybody in their right mind would go to the gas lamp in any shape or form in that area during Comic-Con, especially this day when the zombie walk is something that has been going on for eight years. 
Yeah. And um, they drove into the section and found themselves surrounded by people dressed as zombies. <laughs> and I guess their kids started freaking out because they didn't know what was going on. And mom and dad didn't have enough sense to think, hmm, maybe I shouldn't go down to where the zombies are, where they can be surrounding my children in the backseat of the car. Yeah. And, and at some point, the brilliant idea of, well, I need to get out of here. My kids are freaking out, um, came into their head. And so they decided to push through the crowd in their car and they hit a woman. Uh, with the she, car. With Just, the car. Let's, let's clarify that. Yes. They hit her with a car. They hit her with a car, a 64-year-old woman, and broke her arm, could have killed her actually because she was being hit by an automobile and And, let's face it it's very lucky that they hit one person as opposed to many yeah and so what happened was the car got surrounded the car got beat up because they saw that they were driving through people and um i it's a no-win situation here yeah it's like for one please like if you're in a car don't think that you can you can even tap a human being without causing them injury because cars are gigantic. Cars are huge death things and you don't tap people with them. Like slight tap from a car equals huge injury for a person. Yeah. I mean, especially when you're, you know, 64 years old. Yeah. And then were, were the zombie people justified in beating the crap out of their car? No, let's, you know, like, would they have been justified for, you know, like calling the police and having the police deal with it? Yes. Right. And and the the, the police it's they're they're saying, you know, they I now I'd heard that they arrested the guy and they now I've heard they haven't. But the 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 police are saying, you know, when you're in a busy, congested area, you've gotta wait. I do not want to condone people's impatience in justifying a car to go through a crowd of people. Right, yeah. Um you know, pull over to the side of the road and wait for the zombie horde to pass by. Yes, that would <laughs> be the best way to go with that. You would The quickest way to get out of a, you know, zombie walk is to pull your car over, uh, quickly shuffle your children into one of the stores nearby. It's not it's not like there, you know, aren't a million different places. You could there's, you know, an ice cream store. You could shuffle your kids in, get them some ice cream while they're recovering from the terror, and they'll be fine. And you wouldn't have a- almost killed people. And you know, yeah. So, and then on top of all of this, um, the worst thing that has that has come out of Comic Con after a year or two of hearing about you know sexual harassment and. Um, you know, the whole cosplay um, fiascos that have been going on and people demanding that Comic-Con do something about a harassment policy. There was a teenager, and I guess it turned out it was her birthday as well. This is just horrible. She's 17 years just, old. Just to add on just to Just to add on to this. Um, 17-year-old girl who was dressed in sort of a bunny outfit. It was a, it was a variation on a Roger Rabbit costume. Right. Uh I think Huffington Post quoted it as an interesting rendition. Yeah, it of was a Roger. Yeah, it was definitely a sexy, it was sexy Roger, Roger, Rabbit. Roger Rabbit. It was sexy Roger <laughs> Rabbit. And so seventeen year old girl um was at Comic Con, got 
I think there was like a fight between her and her friends or something, and she walked off on her own mm-hmm. and wound up having and being attacked, sexually assaulted, and suffering severe, several brain bleeds from being beaten to almost to death on Saturday. Yeah. And so they found her around a hotel pool around one in the morning. So we finally had an attack, a well-known attack happen at Comic-Con to a cosplayer, an underage cosplayer on top of everything else and on her birthday. Um, so it's, it's truly, truly horrible. Um, she apparently went to Comic-Con with a friend of hers who was 21 and, um, you know, of age, ex- you know, et cetera. And the, her parents have been there with her now and they're looking for the guy. And I think they may have made an arrest at this point. I believe so. I believe that they did find him like the next day or something. Right. Yeah. And I think horrifyingly enough, um, they found her at my hotel. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. The Marriott. So, it, which has a mat. Here's the thing with the Marriott: it's got a massive, massive pool area, and they have a dark. It's very dark at night around there, and um, they have a a locked gate. It's kind of. I think there's ways you can get in there um, through restaurants um, that you can walk into it because it's connected to some of these restaurants. Anyway, um, they made an arrest on Sunday. I believe, but the news is out there now about what's going on with this, and, and it's just a horrible thing. And so this was what Steve Niles was talking about on his on his Facebook page, and um, a lot of people are talking about it, and it's raising a lot. Here's here's the thing that's ticking him off and ticking off a lot of people is um, because there was so much there was sort of a mystery around this thing. Not a lot of information was coming out because she's a minor. Yeah, they're controlling the amount of information. Um, a lot of people were like, "Well, let's get the facts before we make any assumptions." <laughs> um, the facts are out there. Yeah, and find them. Um, go to San Diego NBC San Diego dot com, and you will find the facts about this. And it doesn't change. You know, even if she was in a sexualized costume, it and as everyone has seen and said. Cosplaying doesn't give consent to anything. And I know that um, there's also a movement around cosplayers that I I do know um, to, you know, like, monitor. Like, if you have underage cosplayers, like, as a parent, you know, monitor their costumes. At that same time, though, I don't think this particular situation would have been avoided. No, no. Had she had her costume monitored because I guarantee you like somebody who's sexually assaulting someone isn't standing there going, Oh man, sexy Roger rabbit. That is not what set this off. No, it's not. This is opportunity. This is an opportunity given. And it's one of those things where if you're an underage minor, you're an, or you're a woman by yourself or a guy by yourself, even, I mean, a young kid period, and you're at Comic-Con where there's a quarter of a million people around you. Not all of them are nice. And um, at night, that place is filled with drunken, horny people, drunken, angry people, just drunk, crazy people who are out to do things. There are, there are um, 
tons of homeless people in the area and you um and not to slam the homeless don't get pissed at me for saying that but you don't know who's out there and just and, to, and leave your yeah. group you're 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 begging you know you're you're setting yourself up for something bad right and like i wish we lived in a world where i you know we could say as like a woman you should be safe to walk around like on your own um, the sad part is apparently we don't. And honestly, too, like, as part, like, of the geek community, like, we're not the most popular, like, like subset of humanity out there. And, and as such, you know, we need to, we need to, like, show people, like, our good side. And I feel like Comic-Con has not been doing that for a while now. Um, yeah. Well, we and have, it's... It started, I think, with the, the eye stabbing and, and, and that yeah. kind of barreled down. Because it used and to be I could, I could go around saying, nothing bad ever happens here. Look at everybody's getting along. No, not anymore. Yeah, no. It's, and I think, I think part of it is a lot of commercialization of like the genre. Like the farther and farther we move away from the soul and the heart of Comic-Con, which is a convention celebrating the artists and celebrating the creators and celebrating the writers um, and a convention that's for the fans, to thank the fans for being loyal fans. Thank you for loving our work. Thank you for being someone who every week goes into your comic book store and buys your issues and, um, you know, responds to the creators, you know, on a personal level. I think the farther you move away from that into, like, this is a big party where everybody's, like, you know, like, everybody's meeting actors and everybody's meeting, which I love meeting actors and stuff. That's awesome. But at a certain point, we're commercializing this far too much. Like, well, and, and on, on top of everything, like I said, I'm not, I, I want to make it clear, this girl, this was not her fault. This was not no. her fault at all. This girl was a victim, and she should not have been. I mean, it, it sucks that in a place that it used to be, and it, and it still is in a lot of ways, but she felt safe around her people. This used to be a safe environment where people could feel, okay, you're, you're surrounded by your own. You know, like, we're all geeks here. We're all fans. And this is sort of a wake-up call that it's still not safe enough for all of us here to, to, to let our guard down. And it's horrible that that's the case. Now, everybody's freaked out about this, and it's sad that it's gotten to this level where yeah. this poor girl was attacked. And uh, it just, it doesn't make it okay. It, it, it sh you should be able to cosplay whatever you want to cosplay. Um, yes, right. you, you should be, um, if you're an underage kid and your parents should take a, a hand in what you're wearing, I, I would say, you know, or, or at least give you some guidance. But it doesn't excuse what happened to her. This, right. she wasn't. Over, you know, she wasn't out asking for this. No one asked for this kind of crap. It's just a horrible thing. It's a horrible situation. Um, and it just, you know, it taints everything. And it sucks. And I feel so bad for this girl and her family 
that this happened to her and, um, you know, she's never going to be the same after it. Yeah, no. And, and like, also it's like Comic-Con will never hold that kind of magic and like fun. Like now it's just this horrible, horrible thing, Comic-Con. And, you know, instead of like letting, letting, because there's going to be a lot of fear surrounding this, just like, you know, like, I, I'm sorry, but as as nerd culture, we have not had the best luck the past decade. No, so. and, you know, it's just, it's just like with, like, the Batman theater shooting. It, and that's what I was going to say. Yeah, it was the Batman theater shooting is there's going to be fear. There's going to be fingers pointed. Um, there's, you know, going to be those people out there who say, well, see comic books, you know, like, have you seen the stuff Frank Miller does? No wonder this girl got assaulted here. And we can't, we can't let that be what people think about us. And I think the only way we can do that is to go forward and make the changes and show that we are, you know, we are a community and we do look out for our own, like, like stop hating each other as nerds. Don't, don't draw the line in the sand. Like I like DC and you like Marvel. So I hate you. And you know, like stop drawing so many lines or like, Oh, that girl's just here because she likes Twilight. You know, so what if she's there? Cause she likes Twilight. She's a part of your culture. Yeah. She's a fan. We're all fans. And we need to embrace that in everyone. We need to stop slinging around hate because that's what allows this kind of corruption to the nerd community to sneak in. And we need to protect these girls who, you know, on their birthday want to cosplay a sexy Roger Rabbit. And, like, we can't let people do that. No, it it, it taints it. You're right. And I just feel sort of... I don't... I don't know what I can do to help this other than put out there, you know, whatever weight my opinion or voice carries, you know, is please remember who you are and what it was like to go through high school or wherever as a geek and realize that we all are in this together and look how far we've come. And at the same time, look how much further we have to go. Yeah, think about think about the first time like you met a creator and they like talked to you like a like a nor- like they were a normal human being too and were really nice to you and think of all the joy that that brought you and the inspiration and of course you want that for the next generation. Like don't be a grumpy old codger. <laughs> yeah, don't but- complain about the young geeks. They are the future. Take them under your wing, teach them, protect them from all the crap that we had to go through. Don't be the perpetrators of that crap we had to go through. Right, exactly. And, you know, everybody look out for one another. I mean, that's one thing I try to do at cons. I mean, I'm, I'm one of them, too, that I end up, you know, partying a little too much and stumbling around a little bit. And, and that happens. I mean, for the love of God, I saw so much of that at the parties at Comic-Con this year. But if you see somebody that might be a little overly in trouble with that or looks like, you know, they, you know, I'm sure this girl was upset. That's why she stormed off, you know, and, and you want to be by yourself. If you see somebody that you think might need help, don't, you know, just go up to them and, and offer them, you know, say, are you okay? Ask. 
don't be afraid to ask because God, you know, if someone had checked on this girl before this happened, you never know. You could have saved her from this. If you'd just, get, act, you know, be concerned. Yeah, get, get, you know, do the right thing. Be like the real life superhero. Get the poor girl back to her hotel room. Then go back and party. Your friends aren't going to like be mad at you for that. Yeah, I've I've done that a couple of times at cons where I've seen a girl who I can tell is about ready to fall over and she's, you know, you you help your fellow fangirls and your fellow fanboys as well. Mm-hmm. You know, don't forget the guys. They can just be as easily accosted as anybody else. That's one exactly. thing that I want to make sure people realize too. Um, and help them. Help them to their room or get them to the people they know. or And, and that's all. That's all you need. Or take them to a security guard or take them to a cop even. I mean, they, they will thank you in the long run. Instead of being having something like this happen, get them get them to if they don't know where they are, where they're going, get them to a brightly lit hotel desk. Yeah, and that and take them, them to, to the a, desk of a hotel. Take them to the concierge <laughs> and let them help them get a cab. You know. Yeah. To, so it's it's one of those things. Please, you know, con etiquette is one thing. This is just simple human kindness and courtesy. You'd want it done for you, kind of a thing. And, uh, yeah, I've, I'm so sorry for this girl, but guys, uh, girls and guys out there, don't start this whole BS about, well, she deserved it or she was asking for it or, you know, let's wait for the facts. Let's not start pointing fingers. Well, I'll point the finger at the asshole that attacked her. Yes. And hope to God he goes to jail and I never see him who did this because it's not okay. And I, I am protective of my fellow fangirls and I do not play with that. Um, and let's get, let's get our, I mean, I know I went to Emerald city this year and they had, uh, like no harassment policy and like why let's do this. Let's do this. Come conventions. Let us establish this as a no tolerance policy. Exactly. There should be one everywhere anyway. I mean, that's, that is just common courtesy and and just a basic human right. You know, I should be able to walk around in my Freddy Krueger sweater dress and not worry about some guy grabbing my ass. That's just, you know, not that anybody would want to, but I'm just putting it out there. I should have to worry about it. Oh, well, uh, I wouldn't be so quick because my husband got his butt grabbed at Emerald City Comic Con. <laughs> uh, so it happens. It's crazy. Guys, don't grab random people. Do not grope people. Guys or girls. Don't, unless <laughs> don't. they have given you permission yeah. to grope them. Do not yeah. grope them. <laughs> he was slightly disturbed when he found out it was not me fondling his butt. <laughs> I can only imagine his face. Oh yeah, yeah. He, I, it, he was really, really like horrified at that realization. Oh my god! So, <laughs> so. we've, we've. I think we've ran out of time actually for anything else on this. I'm, I'm sorry to make this such a downer of a, of a weekend geek, but I felt that it really needed to be talked about. Um, what was going on with this? Because this is the biggest convention in the world, and this happened at it. So it's, it's, it's out there. 
it's important and not to talk about it would um i think be worse because as like fangirls as fangirl radio it's like we need to be like front runners of like this is what we can't do and we need to band together so don't don't feel down about this what you should feel is you know inspiration to go out there and make a change like request a change uh you know tweet at your local comic book convention that's coming through town um you know chat wizard, about it on facebook wizard world do um wizard world emerald city comic-con all of them let them know that you want this uh you want a policy there in writing on a sign telling people do not harass cosplayers or guests anybody don't just yeah. don't um so this week we have a very 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 special interview and Yee! i i am very excited to share this with you all um i had to hold on to it before uh, until the movie came out which it's coming out on august 1st and that is called uh, child of god and it is based on the novel by Cormac McCarthy, the master of happy storytelling. Oh, yeah. So Super much happy. Hap so, so much, <laughs> so much happy. Let's, um, just, let's just, like, put a nail in this coffin of a podcast. Yes. Let's do that. This make, this, yes. Um, and actually, uh, when I recorded this interview, um, we, the... Um, the shooting in Santa Barbara had just happened, and um, we we actually touch upon that in this. My interview with James Franco, who is the director, Aww. the director, <laughs> screenplay writer, and he actually stars in this movie as well. Not as the lead, but he is in the film. Um, it's it was an interesting talk with him, especially considering what the subject matter of the movie, which is about a man, uh, Lester Ballard, who who is an outsider and slowly. Um, slowly degenerates into almost like a caveman in in uh, the backwoods of of the South, and he's he ends up um, becoming a necrophiliac. He he's a murderer and and um, just a dispossessed outsider. Cannot relate to other people, and the the subject matter of it was so timely in terms of what has been going on lately with the mass shootings that have been going on and, and attacks. Boy, this is such a, a happy podcast. I know. Uh, radio <laughs> broadcast as well. We promise next week's will be happier. Next, next week's will be far happier. But um, this, uh, I, I, it was an interesting interview, um, and uh, I think we both learned a little bit um, about the story itself. And I hope you Hello. enjoy it. And... Um, here we go. I uh, give you my interview with James Franco. Hi, James. It's Jessica Dwyer here. And thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Of course. Thank you. I'm happy to talk to you. Perfect. Well, I know I don't have you for very long. I want to thank you for taking time on your lunch hour to, to, to give me a ring. And um, I have to tell you, Child of God was phenomenal and very, very disturbing. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, it should be disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just had to say the scene with the stick and the poop kind of stuck out in my mind and um, that told me all I needed to know at the beginning of like what I was in for <laughs> it's funny to me that of all the things that happened that, that that's one thing that, that um, people consistently talked about when we took it to film festivals but um, <laughs> you know I mean 
it sounds like um, just kind of a, a trivial, gross little thing, but actually it was kind of important just to talk about that for two seconds. Um, I, it feels like, um, it, it felt like it was important to do that. A, it was in the book, so I didn't just make that up. It, for, no. for whatever reason, McCar- M- McCarthy felt like he needed to, to, to show Lester doing that. But um, B, you know, I put it right early in the book to kind of, almost like a warning it's like um i know you know it's almost saying like this this movie is going to get you know pretty graphic and um you know you're going to see some things so um if if seeing somebody poop <laughs> is disturbing you know watch out there's going to be more <laughs> and it was the first thing so it's like okay um he's not pulling punches with this film it's gonna be as dark as the as the book itself so yeah. good on you you got that got that conveyed for sure so what about this particular story was it that attracted you to to this uh project what what made you want to um do child of god um good question i uh have been a Cormac McCarthy fan for a long time. I remember I took a, and I went, I, I left school and then I went back to get my bachelor's in English when I was older, when I was in my late twenties and, um, mid to late twenties. And I took a class on, that was completely on uh, McCarthy and we read almost all of his books. And, um, and I remember at the end of that, that class, Instead of a critical paper, I was allowed to write a a short screenplay, and I wrote and I used. <laughs> we can go into why this is going to turn into a really long answer, but um, I wrote the scene where Lester finds the the dead couple in the back of the car, and I, I used that scene as a basis for a, a short film. And oh wow, um, I. And with this movie and with that scene, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of people will think, like, I'm just disturbed or whatever. But, I mean, I, I think people should first remember, you know, this is a book by Cormac McCarthy who won the Pulitzer and is on Oprah's Book Club. Um, and um, I think what really drew me to the material and the subject matter was it, it showed, I think it was just a great way to kind of talk about or examine what goes on when a person is intimate with another. And obviously he's not having, he's not having relationships with live people, but at least in my movie, he is having feelings as if, you know, these were real people. And he is a character who's incapable of, having an intimate relationship with a live person. Um, and so he solves that problem or he stumbles upon a solution to that problem by, you know, having relations with dead people. But, and so, yes, on, you know, if this was um, a news story, you know, this would be just horrific. But because it's a movie, the the subject matter, I think, is both, it's always going to be extreme and disturbing, but on another level, I feel like it, it is talking about kind of bigger issues. So I, I, and more universal issues, just, you know, what it's this need to kind of love and be loved by another. And what happens when, you know, 
you can't when you can't do it when you can't find that in life because you know you're a, an outcast. And so I liked that I could talk about something universal, but use a very kind of extreme vehicle or um, metaphor to to do that. Well, and you're, what you're saying here kind of leads into a question I had for you about this was, this film is sort of timely, and, and the subject matter even more timely with all the things that are going on in the world right now, especially with the gun violence and, and things like that. I, I kind of was thinking about this today, was it, it sort of tackles, you know, this is what happens when when people don't want to see what's in front of them in, in terms of mental illness or, or, you know, ostracization of a person. It can, it's sort of like the extreme case, but you've got so many extreme cases going on right now. And it sort of mm. talks to that. I, yeah, I see what you mean. Um, um, yeah, I think that is, I think what you're talking about there, kind of a study of a crazy person, um, seems to be what Cormac McCarthy had in mind with it when he wrote his book. Um, uh, the only reason I say that is because I, I asked him, I, I, I talked to him on the phone while we, I was making it, and I said, um, and I told him my theory, I told him what I had just told you, you know, that, oh, I think this is, yeah, it's about, you know, this crazy person, but I think it's about, also about somebody who really just wants what we all want, to connect with another person. And, right. and because he's incapable of doing that in a normal way, um, you know, he resorts to these extreme measures. And Cormac said, um, Oh, I don't know, James. I just think that there's people like this that were, you know, there are people like this in the world and there's people like this living amongst us right now. And so to me, that said like, oh, okay. So to at least we take him, you know, on his word, Cormac saying like, well, this is just a, this is sort of like a, just a earnest portrait of a crazy person. Um, but I guess for me, I think of it as a little bit more that, um, that in a sense, I wanted to kind of see myself in Lester, not because I condone what he does, you know, not, not on a, you know, on a, on a kind of journalistic level or, you know, nonfiction level. Like I don't condone Lester's actions in any way, but in the realm of art, um, I want to see, you know, what similarities there are between me and Lester and, and, um, and meaning, you know, like I, like I keep saying, like at the very bottom, you know, he just wants to, he just wants to love and be loved. But, mm -hmm. um, and that's what I want. That's what we all want, you know? And, um, And so I guess I guess all I'm saying is yes to your question. Yes, it is a, it is kind of a portrait of a, a deranged person. But I guess for me the, the 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 reason I made the movie was to kind of say a little bit, be able to talk about something a little bit more than just that. 
Well, and and it's in a way, what I'm saying is it's it's that, but what you're saying as well, it it gives you a portrait of what people go through and really what we don't mm. see in their yeah. minds. And and they are right. looking for someone to talk to and someone to connect with, and we just don't do that anymore. Or we try right. to just yeah, avoid I think it. it. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I'm saying it right now. I mean, I'm just thinking about that disturbing video that Santa Barbara kid left. I mean, that's what he was talking about. He just wanted to connect to someone. And, exactly. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess maybe, yeah. Sadly, I think maybe you're... It, I, I don't know if it's even sadly, but yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it maybe is a, a pretty clear portrait of, of somebody that... Um, is going through maybe some things that, that people in the, in the recent news have gone through. Well, and sort of kind of going into that, um, you know, what, when you wrote the screenplay and, and what research did you do? Cause I know you'd mentioned Ed Gein and, um, you know, how this kind this was inspired by that. Did, did you look into other histories to, to get ideas for this or did you just stick with um, Cormac's work? Yeah, I mean, um, I, I really used um, Gormack as a jumping-off place just because, um, you know, he is able to take history or, you know, um, real events and just turn them into, you know, art. I mean, that's what he, you know, I think, in a, in a way, I feel like that's what he did with um, his source material. I, I, the, the Ed Gein reference, I think, was that that was one of um, Cormac's source material. Source sources is um, the events of uh, or the life and, and actions of Ed Gein. But um, but for me, I just you know I, I really use Cormac. But what what's really interesting is um, to think about is that Ed Gein, I think, was the inspiration for Robert Block when he wrote the book Psycho that was right. for um, the Hitchcock movie. And then also, I think, um, Ed Gein was, this, was the, one of the inspirations for Leatherface in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And so yep. it's, it's, it's interesting to, to compare all three, three um, works that are inspired by you know, one guy and how different they are and how... And I guess that's, to me, I guess that's a study in art. Like, how do you take something from real life and then um, turn it into a narrative? What what are you emphasizing? What are you using from the source and how? And and so we can see, like, oh, yeah, Leatherface, like, uses body parts and wears it on his face. And um, Psycho, you know, he he's kind of into taxidermy and... Um, and in in this one, he is you know in, in Child of God, he's taking the the dead bodies and and having full on full relationships with them. And um, so you can you can trace all those things back to Ed Gein, but the three characters that I just mentioned are all so different. And um, and so I I don't know. I guess I I just that to me that's very interesting the way that 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 can happen. 
Well, it's almost like he took each each creator like uh, took a piece of his psyche and built a character around that, which is kind yeah. of interesting to me. Like, because he did dress in women's clothes, he did you know eat people, he did do yeah uh, you know it was he's very ostracized and away from humanity. So it is kind of interesting how they all three build him. But then I think to me, the other important thing, and I think this is one of the things that also drew me to the book is strangely Cormac put humor into it. So Lester is scary because he, you know, he's so efficient with a, with a rifle and he's out in the woods doing, you know, God knows what, he's just totally isolated and just kind of, you know, getting worse and worse out there. So he's scary for that reason. But in in other ways, he's like, because we get, you know, we get the the book and the movie are, from a perspective that are close to Lester, we get to see all of his private little, you know, things, and we get to see him, you know, try and figure out, okay, well, I can't just leave this dead body in the cabin, I have to hide it, and then, like, oh, how do I get it up to the, you know, into the attic, and, you know, just see him, like, struggle around with that, and and all of that, and, and, you know, I want to qualify everything, like, I know it's, like, on one level, really, really dark, and, like, shouldn't be funny, but there are things about Lester, I think, that are, I've kind of described it as almost chaplain-esque like he he's kind of bumbling in some ways and and because of that charming and again not to say that i condone anything that he does if you know if he's a real person but um but it makes it it was really important i think for the movie and it was one thing that attracted me to the book is that it makes him watchable it makes it a little easier to be around him because the the dark subject matter is balanced by a little bit of levity. Well, and it makes him a little bit more, you, you sympathize with him because he is so alone, but it also makes him humanized in a way and allows you to, to, you know, like, Oh, the guy's got a, he is a human being, even though he's slowly disintegrating in that regard, he's just going away from it. But, um, and that's to Scott. Scott was amazing in this. Yeah. He he just, good God. I mean, and the method that he went through for it, too, was phenomenal. Did What what did you tell him to do other than, you know, he kind of took that all on his own, I think, from going sleeping in a cave and just getting really into it. But what kind of direction did you give him in regards to that character? Um, let's see. I don't know if I... I don't know if I had to do much. I gave him the script. Um, you know, I I think, you know, I could have cast, a, you know, a name in the role, and, and for a while I had been thinking about that. Um, and and then I just thought about Scott. He's, a, he's, a, he's somebody I've known for a long time. He's a friend of a friend of mine, Jim Perrick, from, uh, who's on the show True Blood, uh, was a, grew up with Scott. And so I've known Scott for Jim for a long time, and, but while Scott was kind of crazy, uh, he was just kind of the friend of a friend that I didn't want much to do with. And then <laughs> he kind of, he, I mean, honestly, I, he was just kind of like a loose cannon. But I, um, but then he, he had a full kind of change of life. And 
really got his stuff together and um, and became a responsible person. So I kind of felt like if I get him to do this, a I think I like the idea better because um, a name, you know, even though a name actor could possibly do a really good job, there still be that kind of recognition, like oh that's so and so that I thought it could be something really special that could happen if if people almost feel like I found a crazy person out in the mountains and just put him in my movie. And um, and so I, I would get that, but I also felt like I depend on Scott now, that he was a responsible person, but that he would still have access to that kind of crazy side of himself. And um, But now it wouldn't be the, ma- the crazy behavior wouldn't, be mastering him, he'd be able to use it for the movie. And that is exactly what happened. He went off, when I gave him the script, he went off, I think for a month or maybe two months and um, just went to Tennessee and um, found somebody with an accent he thought was right for the part and um, stayed with that guy. And he even stayed in some caves out there, like overnight. Um, and so it was just like his time to really inhabit that character. And, um, and so when I showed up for the shoot, he, he came directly from that preparation. And I remember just seeing him in the hotel room and it was like, I didn't see Scott anymore. It was like Lester was there. (laughs) He was there. And I really, you know, um, and from that, you know, I really didn't have to do much except kind of, you know, go through the normal things of uh, kind of telling him where to, you know, just kind of pointing him in the right direction and then just putting the camera in the right place. And that was kind of it. <laughs> or you might be too scared <laughs> to do anything else. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, um, James, I want to thank you. I think I've kept you a little over from what I I promised, but it's been great talking to you. And this movie is phenomenal. I I really enjoyed it. Um, You you really did bring him to life. And it's just super. I'm so glad to have seen it. And thank you for joining us and talking to us about it. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for your um, enthusiasm. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you again. And uh, um, everybody... uh, Uh, Child of God will be available and out, I believe, um, in August. So thank you again, James. All right. Thank you.